0: You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for
1: Pirates. This is East Carolina Hall of Famer and Utah Jazz first-round draft pick, Blue Edwards. You're listening to Pirate Basketball Overtime on The Sports Objective, your home for the best East Carolina hoops coverage. Welcome in to Pirate Basketball Overtime coming to you 24 hours after the Pirates' heartbreaking 60 to 59 defeat to North Texas, the Mean Green. Find a way to get it done there in the waning seconds at Minji's on Wednesday night. And now to uh, break down this heartbreaking loss for ECU. Um, uh, welcome in Matt Samenza. Matt, um uh, man, what a what a heartbreaker that was last night for the Pirates.
0: Yeah, Bubba another obviously really tough loss for this team and uh you know, reminiscent of the UCF football game. I think it's what was it, 2014 when we lost on a Hail Mary. Couldn't couldn't yeah, help but I, had, of,
1: I had that same thought. Yeah,
0: couldn't couldn't help but think of that, but uh yeah, I mean this this was a game that uh the Pirates should have won at home. Certainly had their opportunities but just couldn't execute down the stretch and uh we're gonna break it all down tonight.
1: Yeah, poor possessions there um, on on a few occasions, at least in the in the final few minutes. And then you miss free throws. Uh, you allow second and third chances, and didn't really have a good feeling. And, and then you have the there that um, the pirates. Well, it wasn't final possession. Next to last possession. R.J. Felton banks it in from about eighteen feet. Uh, after Brandon Johnson appeared to get away with the travel, you felt like, hey, we're going to get away with one, I'm not executing, not making free throws, allowing those second chance buckets, and then uh, you didn't get away with it because um, of allowing a 85-foot pass uh, to, you don't guard the inbounds, um, and, we'll, and we'll dive into all the logistics and and just the strategy there on that uh, sequence here in just a minute after we, after we run the the clip, but um, you know, a a lot to, a lot to dissect.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you make a great point that we did not put a man over the inbounds pass. And uh, I mean, that, that's an excellent point. And, you know, obviously we, you know, we didn't have a timeout in that spot. You know, and I'm sure if we did, Mike Schwartz would have you know used that timeout and and drawn it up um, a little more eff- effectively. But uh, you know, in that situation, without a timeout, you know, I don't think we were lined up properly, and uh, and you know, there there was definitely a push off on Brandon Johnson there. But I I just think you have to be able to make that play. You know, you just you just can't whether a guy pushes off off or not in that situation you have to be able to make that play and not let him get behind you so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into that too
1: yeah uh, you, you it's almost like we we're mesmerized uh, in a trance in, there and um, there definitely was some two hands and arms extended for the for the north texas player uh allen but um I found that found that very interesting the way the way we um, chose not to to guard the inbounds pass, um, and you had probably six or seven seconds to uh, to set your defense and without a timeout uh, that was about best case scenario as far as that's concerned. Um, it's not like um, North Texas got the ball and just immediately slung it down the court and so they they had a chance to um, to collect themselves a little bit and probably weren't too awfully far away from a five-second call. Not not sure where things stood there, but uh, Ezra saw after the, the shot went in by RJ, Ezra was probably 25 feet from the basket there, just beyond the top of the key and guarding it air. Um, not sure why him at 6'7", uh, with – with his athleticism, why he wasn't guarding that inbounds pass?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a really good catch, you know, on your part, and and definitely something that you know I'm sure if we had back, we we would defend that differently. But uh, it's a breakdown, not you know, nonetheless, that is a a a huge breakdown there. And to your point, there's no way you make an accurate pass from that distance if you have you know, some length defensively in front of that pass. So, you know, just another another blunder there. Um, you know, for me, Bubba, when when I knew that this game was could really go either way, we were up 55, 51, right around the four minute mark. And during that stretch, it, there was a stretch there of about three and a half minutes where we held North Texas scoreless. During that stretch, we had three or four offensive possessions. Now, we're up four points with, like I said, three or four offensive possessions. If we were able to score there, just get a bucket, regardless, two or three, whatever it is, you have a chance to really extend that lead and really put that game, possibly put it away. But we go through a drought, unable to convert on any of those possessions, missed the front end of a one and one. and allow them to get right back in the game with a three pointer. So, very frustrating because, you know, it, it just continues to bite this team where down the stretch, when you need buckets, you just, you know, you you can't really find them. And I know, I know Felton hit, had the, I guess you would call it, I would call it kind of a lucky bank shot off the backboard, but inability to get those tough buckets down the stretch when you have a lead. Um, you know, obviously made this game, uh,
1: you know, we we just couldn't put it away. Yeah, I mean, looking at the play-by-play now, um, you have three possessions there with that 55-51 lead during the two-minute, two- to three-minute mark of the game. Uh, So you had that chance to, like you say, extend the lead. You had the chance to extend the lead with free throws and I remember, you know, making the comment uh, to multiple Pirates in those waning minutes. I uh, said, I don't have a good feeling about this. Uh, we're having some poor possessions, not making free throws, allowing those second chance opportunities. And, and uh, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but I, I told them I just it really don't feel like we're going to pull it out. And then it looked like we were going to have the opportunity to, to kind of get away with, things and uh you know, learn from from those mistakes in a victory but uh not to be
0: yeah yeah absolutely sorry i was on mute there um yeah just you know just just obviously a uh you know that that's a tough loss to swallow because that's a game you really had an opportunity to win at home and just so many so many blunders down the stretch and you know, going back to that stretch where we had we were up 55 to 51, we had three possessions there. You know, I would have liked to see us try to pump the ball down low, maybe to Ezra. When Ezra gets the ball on the low block, typically t- typically two things are going to happen. He's either going to score or he's going to get fouled and go to the free throw line. I I like to take my chances there with him on the low block in that situation. Our offense was completely perimeter based at that point. And, you know, we just couldn't get a clean look. I would have tried to pump it down low. Even put Brandon Johnson in in the low block. He's pretty effective down there. You know, that's something I think we're going to have to do more of, you know, in crunch time moving forward. Because if if you're going to just live and die with the perimeter shots, um, it's going to be tough to win these games.
1: It is. And um, Pirates, it seems like – Decent amount of the time have gotten off to relatively slow starts, but um, that was not the case last night. Um, ECU halfway through the first half, a little over past the halfway mark uh, of the half, a um, little over nine minutes to play, and we we led 19-12, to 12, uh, then didn't play as well, and then you know, trailed at, by four at halftime. So Mean Green outscoring the pirates um uh, by eleven over that final nine nine and a half minutes of the first half and um then then you know, the e c u trailed by as many as seven um but uh in you know, the mean green and you know really a a solid team uh, we were talking about it before we went live in uh north Texas, obviously last year. Uh, under their former coach, uh, who's now at Texas Tech, Grant McCaslin, uh, McCaslin, and they won thirty thirty one ball games, won the NIT. Um, they hire from within uh, this year, once again uh, very good. Now four and zero in the American, and came in with a net of sixty, or uh, just over sixty, and. Really one of the better teams that the Pirates have played thus far um, behind probably Florida Atlantic and then and then also uh, the Gators in addition to uh, I'm trying to remember there's one other team but fourth uh, as far as the Nets concerned uh, and ahead of the likes of South Carolina and Gamecocks had that 14 and three record but played a very weak uh, non-conference schedule.
0: Yeah, and when you you know when you kind of like break it down like you just did, it's really starting to become the season of of what ifs. I mean, you know, there's there's a handful of games here, five or six games that you know, had we just executed down the stretch, we we win those games and you know, it's it's really starting to become a very frustrating season because you can see, you know, I say this on almost every show, there are glimpses of this team where they play fantastic and and we look very talented and, 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 you know, we could do a lot of good things on the court. And then there are other times where we just don't execute. And and I'm not sure where that inconsistency comes from, but, you know, this is certainly starting to become a, a situation where this season can quickly get away from us in conference play here. And, you know, I think the defense was good enough to win that game last night, but, Again, for me, it's really the inability to find buckets down the stretch to win these games. And, you know, they're going to have to figure that out if they're going to have any success in conference play here because, you know, this does start to get the feeling where it's going to get away
1: a little bit. We talked about RJ making the shot to, to put ECU up by 1, 59-58 uh, there with just over three seconds remaining. Uh RJ had a very good night, uh, knocked down a few uh three pointers, but um taking a look in, in the first half, it was very balanced scoring. Uh, no one really lit it up, but you, you had six pirates uh score and ECU shot just thirty-seven and a half percent uh in the first half, uh four out of twelve from three. And uh, we're out rebounded significantly, in, in the first half as they were in the game. But uh, one of the things that really stood out to me uh, initially, obviously Ezra saw her coming off the bench. Uh, that was because, as we found out in the post game, as I suspected may have been the case, uh, and it was uh, Coach Schwartz confirmed that that was due to Ezra being late. Uh, you know whether it was for a, a team meeting or meal, what have you, uh, and. As a result, Sierra Malonga got the start, um, did some nice things uh, there early and ended up playing 12 minutes in the game. And then um, for North Texas, Edwards, who finished the game with 20, we'll run over those final stats uh, in just a few minutes. But Edwards had 10 of those in the first half. So uh, taking a look at the the final numbers um, for the game, uh, East Carolina had, Three guys in double figures, led by R.J. Felton. R.J. in 34 minutes had 16 points, uh, six out of 16 from the floor. Uh, so not the not the best shooting night for R.J., but he he did, as I mentioned, shoot the ball very well from the perimeter. As he was four out of ten from three point range. So although he you know he was fortunate on on that shot that gave ECU a lead, um, R.J. Very much uh, was the reason the Pirates were in that situation to take the lead uh, because of the way he had shot the basketball from three, uh, you know, one of his better games from three this season. Um, and again, 16 points, six rebounds in 34 minutes for RJ Felton. You had Kim Hayes. Cam finished with 12 points, four rebounds. Brandon Johnson had 11 and eight. So just a couple rebounds shy of another double double for Brandon in 38 minutes a team high Uh, Bobby Pettiford did not score Um, Bobby's been struggling of late and Bobby was 0 for 5 um, from the floor missed both free throws he attempted in 24 minutes Uh, And, and just to
0: jump in on that really quick Bubba I mean that to me Pettiford is the one that really jumps out to me you know 0 for 5 field goals you know he's this is a talented player offensively um you know, he can get into the lane. He can finish at the rim. We need to get him going because he's too talented of a player to go 24 minutes and, and have zero points. Um, so I just wanted to interject with that.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, kind of as a result, um, and then perhaps also for um, defensive purposes, uh, Jaden Walker, Saw significant minutes. Jaden played 23 minutes off the bench, scored eight points, three for three from the floor, knocked down a three-pointer. Did miss a a couple of free throws there in the second half, and and he was definitely not by himself there. ECU just 11 out of 18 from the line. Uh, And as we've referenced on a few occasions already, uh, that was one of the uh, things that really stood out in this one-point loss. To uh, a very talented North Texas ball club, um, I mean, ECU also had uh, Ezra Asar coming off the bench, scoring nine and just five field goal attempts, um, and Ezra knocked down five out of six from the line. So that, that's awesome to see Ezra shooting free throws so well absolutely. And and that's huge.
0: And that's, and that's another reason why I really like the idea of getting the ball to him on the low block in situations where you really need a bucket because he is starting to shoot free throws better. You know, last year, I might not have said that, um, but he's showing improvement from the free throw line. So, you know, that's something I think we need to try to, to try to do more of, you know, looking forward. You know, the other thing about Ezra there, he had a real tough stretch. Um, you know, I think within about a one-minute stretch there, around a the two-minute mark, he had three fouls in a row. Um, so, you know, just just kind of a tough finish down a stretch, but another really talented player who, you know, we just need to get him going.
1: Taking a look at the team numbers, um, Pirates for the game, uh, shot 41.7%, 20 out of 48. Uh North Texas, uh, something that really stands out, and we talked about the Pirates' inability, you know, to uh, to keep the mean green off the glass. Uh, North Texas, 15 offensive rebounds compared to just six for the Pirates, out-rebounded 40 to 28 overall. And as a result, North Texas had 60 shot attempts compared to just the 48 for ECU. Um And then because actually the Pirates shot a better percentage, uh, 41.7, as opposed to 40 for UNT. um, From three, North Texas, five out of 24. Um, Kind of watching the game, it it seemed like they shot the ball better than that. Um, But um, just 20% beyond the arc for North Texas. And then the Pirates were eight out of 22, 36.4. Uh, from the charity stripe, as I mentioned, 11 out of 18 for the Pirates, 7 out of 9, 77.8 for the Mean Green. Um, taking a look at the assists, 12 for ECU, 10 for North Texas. Pirates had eight steals compared to four for the Mean Green. Um, and then the turnovers, you, you perhaps you know, had a few at um, – Inopportune times, there late, but uh, overall not a bad number. Nine for ECU and ten for North Texas. Points in the paint, a glaring, uh, a glaring um, weakness last night. Thirty-six for North Texas compared to just twenty for ECU.
0: Well, that certainly that stat really hurts, and you know, um, you know, I'm going to go back. Back up to the top here for a second, the free throw percentage, Bubba. You know, another game, 61% from the line. North Texas, only nine attempts, but they shot, you know, almost 78%. So, you know, when you're in a one- or two-point game, you know, you, you at some
1: point you're going to have to become more efficient from the free throw line. No doubt. And um, something else, um, the officials were really letting the teams play last night. and you look, there's only a combined 23 fouls in the game, 11 for East Carolina, 12 for North Texas. And uh, and so, it, and to North Texas credit also, um, going back to that number with 36 points in the paint, they hit several um, contested, very challenging shots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, obviously, North
0: Texas is a very solid team. Um, You know, I'm sure they'll do good things this year again. Um, But that's one that really got away. You know, I mean, that's just one that, you know, you could tell Mike Schwartz after the game, he was visibly frustrated with that loss. And, um, you know, I'm sure they're they're kicking themselves today for letting that one get away. But – Hey, you know, the only thing, you know, you can really do is 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 watch the film, you know, learn from it and move on at this point. Um, and hopefully you can correct some of those mistakes next time.
1: Yep, obviously much easier said than done, but need to go down to UAB and play well on, I believe, Saturday against the Blazers. Um, of course, in East Carolina, UAB met many times back in the Conference USA days and now going to do so in the American. But it um, kind of – something else. We we have not played the clip correct. Uh, let's go Let's go to that clip. Um, this is – I know we referenced it earlier. I uh, have not gone to that yet. And th- this is from at ECU Jungle on X. Uh, Jared Plummer does an excellent job. And he was in Minji's last night. And uh, here's what that final sequence looked like.
0: That's tough to watch.
1: That is Man. tough to watch. In a couple things, um, first, kind of, kind of working in reverse here. Um, there, Ezra, not too far off the mark. You know, I, I, to be honest with you, I was so ticked at us allowing the eighty-five foot baseballs pass that live, I did not even see Ezra Sars, you know, fifty-five footer to win it, or you know, to attempt to win it. And, and then when I went back and watched it, I was like, that actually, he almost, you know, he came fairly close to um, matching what Bobby Pettiford did against Kennesaw State. So, you know, what a story that would have been. <laughs> but, um, you know, to to our credit, you know, we continued to play and, and nearly about uh, pulled off another miracle there. But um, you saw what we were referencing there with Ezra. Out beyond the three point line, not guarding the inbounds pass. Um, I don't. I don't believe Coach Schwartz was asked about that in the post game. I may be mistaken, but um, I, I. I take that back. I think he was. He. I know he was asked about in that sequence and what and what he said. You know, with three and a fraction. I think it was three point two, something like that. Left that uh, North Texas guards were just too good. To give them the opportunity to to catch the ball in the back court and um, have the chance to to knock down to get the ball into the front court uh, and and make you know a thirty five footer or something of that nature. But uh, at the same time, if you're gonna you know choose to not go on the inbounds pass, so, you know. It, we had too many people watching there, and uh, I know that's something that uh, that we'll really learn from, you know, all coaches and players. Yeah, no, I I,
0: I think that's a great point. I, I personally like to cover the the inbounds pass there, and um, I do think that was a mistake. And then, you know, from Brandon Johnson's perspective, you know, there's always like the debate of how do you. How do, you, how do you guard that? Do you, do you face guard in that situation? Do you front it? Do you line up behind the offensive player? Uh, you saw what, you know, in that situation, you know, you remember the famous Christian Leitner play uh, where he caught the ball and turned and, and, and hit the, the 15-foot jump shot. Um, personally, I like to line up parallel with that player because it gives you a chance to read the ball. Sometimes if you face guard in that situation – if the ball gets over your head, you have problems, and that's kind of what happened. I mean, there was a there was a clear push on Brandon Johnson there, clear push to create some space and make that play. But you know, East Carolina has to take full responsibility for letting that happen there.
1: Yeah, it was, and like you said, it was just uh, it's almost like it was in slow motion. You saw how wide open he was, and you know, RJ. R.J. attempted to come off his man and get over and uh, contest. Uh, well, he did contest the shot, but uh, it was a little too late. Too little, too late. But, uh, you know, enough of, enough of. Uh, you know, we've dwelled on that play enough, I guess. But uh, hard not to. <laughs> but uh, m- moving on and taking a look. Things from here, I mean, East Carolina will have to do its best to not allow that to turn into another loss on Saturday when they travel down to Birmingham and taking a look at UAB and the Blazers. Um, actually played North Texas last year in the NIT Championship um, coming up shy. But UAB, 11-6, 3-1 in the American. So uh, another game against uh, a team there in the upper – Third or or so of the standings, that's right there um, with the likes of you know Memphis, North Texas, and uh, Florida Atlantic, et cetera.
0: Absolutely, and and like we always talk about, probably the margin of of victory for this team is so thin. It's so thin. I, I do think you know Mike Schwartz's game plan on most nights. And scrappy defense is going to keep this team in most games. Um, But definitely another huge challenge uh, on the road at UAB. And, you know, but, you know, you you really need a win here because, like I said, you don't want to let conference play start to slip too far away. So it's a big game. It's a big game on Saturday.
1: Taking a look at the team numbers for UAB, um, definitely jumps off the page. The Blazers are averaging – Right at seventy seven and a half points a game. Uh, and you know, find it interesting that uh considering they're averaging right at 80 points on um, their their leading score is just averaging twelve points a game. So um taking a taking a look at their, their team numbers, you know, they're they're led by Eric Gaines, and he, he leads them leads them with 12 1, four rebounds, and a little over four and a half assists per game. However, he's just shooting 37.5% from the floor, 6 6'2", 165 pound guard out of Lithonia, Georgia. So, uh, some big challenge to, for us to stop him. Yeah, it has to be some uh, pretty, pretty balanced scoring for the Blazers, obviously, uh, considering uh, averaging 77. And uh their leading scores just at twelve. Uh then you have Lindeborg. Uh he's their average he's uh leading them in rebounds, uh, nine point six per game, also right at twelve points per game, uh shooting nearly fifty two percent from the floor, uh, 6'9", six nine, two hundred and thirty pounds uh, from uh your home state uh of New Jersey. Got to
0: represent New Jersey, Bubba.
1: Glad to yep. see that. So, um, taking taking a look ar- around the American at uh, some of the, some of the results. I, I know I know tonight uh, you have. Let's um, see, um, Florida Atlantic, twenty third ranked Owls, victorious over Wichita State, eighty six to seventy seven, and the Shockers actually led that game in Boca. 42 to 31 at the break and then it was all Florida Atlantic in the second half as they outscored the Shockers 55 to 35 and um, to go on to that nine point victory and uh, hey Matt uh, there have been several close calls for the Memphis Tigers the Tigers rose to 10th in this week's top 25 rankings but Penny Hardaway and company go down uh, at the FedEx Forum tonight, seventy four to seventy three, to the South Florida Bulls.
0: Mm, that's a rough loss for Penny and Memphis. Very surprising. And
1: um, and not only do they lose on a um, just what had to be a, a terrible second half because they they led that game forty seven to thirty two at the break, but the Bulls outscore the Tigers forty two to twenty six. As you can tell, Riley's Riley's excited about uh, his video game there in the background, uh, screaming (laughs) like – That's a
0: fantastic win for for South Florida to be able to get that
1: done. And then Miguel led the Bulls with 23 points while Jones had 24 – excuse me, 25 for the Tigers. And going back to Wednesday night um, in the American – you, know, you in addition to the East Carolina North Texas game, you had UAB Saturday's opponent for the Pirates, um, victorious over Tulane, eighty-three to sixty-nine, and the Green Wave now eleven and six, two and three, as is East Carolina, two and three in the American, and we'll run through those complete standings uh, very quickly here in just a moment, and then you also had Tulsa. Um, you know, just a few nights ago, uh, you had the Memphis Tigers score a, a conference record um, as far as the number of points scored in a AAC game with, uh, I believe it was 112. They scored out at uh, Wichita State. So Tulsa nearly topped it. Um, Tulsa on Wednesday night, 107, the UTSA Roadrunners, 78, so uh, a much needed win there in a, in a battle of uh, beaten teams, if if you will, as the Roadrunners and Golden Hurricane were 0 and 4 entering that one. And
0: go ahead, Matt. Just gonna say, you know, obviously a lot of you know as you as you go through these scores, I mean, the thing that comes to mind, Bubba is just just a lot of a lot of balance in this league, a lot of. A lot of good teams, like good solid teams, and you know, just to take it back to ECU for a minute, they're just going to have to bring it every game and find a way to to get some wins here. Because I don't think anything is going to come easy, you know, for for this team. But you know, pretty pretty impressive league when you look at it from top to bottom, and uh, some of the new additions uh, playing well.
1: Yep, and and again, uh, Tulsa won that battle of the winless teams. Um, by 29 and so running through the conference standings and uh, you have North Texas now the being green are on top all by themselves in the league standings 4-0 is North Texas Memphis a half game back at 4-1 as is Florida Atlantic and the Charlotte 49ers Um a bit of, bit of a surprise there um, under their first year head coach um, and You have that three-way tie between Memphis, FAU, and Charlotte, SMU, a full game back at three and one, as is South Florida and UAB, Um, Tulane and ECU, two and three, two and a half games back, Tulsa and Temple, as well as UTSA. Uh, Those three programs are at one and four, three and a half games back, and then Wichita State. I mean, uh, it sounds. Um, weird to say, but the Shockers are 0-4, as is Rice, um, and they sit at the bottom of the league standings. Um, overall, you know, Memphis has the best record at 15 and 3. FAU 14 and 4, and then you, you also have uh, SMU, the Mustangs, now 12 and 5 overall.
0: Yeah, those teams at the top of the conference are playing well. Um, also, had some comments, Bubba. From I know Johnny Robertson had some comments. I don't know if you're able to yeah, pull those
1: um, up. Yeah, but appreciate everyone chiming in tonight on YouTube, Facebook, and X. And, you know, if you're if you're currently tuned in and have not commented, if you have something, go ahead and send it to us. You know, we'll be live for another five to ten minutes tonight. Um, yeah, Johnny Gardner says had to follow the inbound kid for a very kickback. Is, is what he said. And um, Johnny Robertson said the Pirates started eight of nine from the line and finished three out of nine, including a missed front end of a one and one. Ouch! Yep. Uh, that's a killer.
0: Said, that's a killer, yeah. Bubba. You, you know, and and that's a. It, you're just not going to win games like that. Three of nine, uh, and the front ends. The front end of those one and ones are just—they're killer down the stretch.
1: Uh, Justin Butts, uh, one of our regulars, uh, and Justin chimes in, just saying what a heartbreaking loss, undoubtedly. Uh, and uh, I believe this may have been the—was this the comment you were referencing? Or I yeah. Mean, you said- JR said, are we starting to see a transition at point guard? This is the first time all season that Jaden has played the point last time, excuse me, last season in the final eight games. People forget that he averaged a little over 39 minutes a game, 15 and a half points and five and a half assists while playing point guard after Javon Small uh, went down with his season-ending injury and then obviously uh, chose to enter the transfer portal following the season and is now at Oklahoma State but um said that Jaden seems to be uncomfortable off the ball. But last night played a significant amount of point played 23 minutes, three out of three from the floor and knocked down the only three pointer he shot.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think it's a really good question, you know, by Johnny and it's something I was kind of thinking about too. I mean, I'm happy to share my thoughts on that. I mean, you know, I think pet, you know, Pettiford played 24 minutes last night. Um, I think that Mike Schwartz wanted, you know, I think he wanted defense down the stretch. And so you're definitely starting to see more more minutes um, go to Walker at point guard. Now, if you look at the last two games, you know, Pettiford has been on the bench, you know, down the stretch. You had LeCount get heavy minutes a few games ago. And, and then, obviously, last night, Walker. Um, I think ideally, you know – and obviously you need timeouts but you can try to go offense and defense there where you know you, ideally i'd like to see Pettiford on the floor offensively but i think walker gives you a better chance with his length defensively so uh, you know it's a tough one i think i think you're going to see both of those guys this is just my a hunch i have i think you're going to see both of those guys get heavy minutes at point guard and and i do agree i think walker has looked his best at ECU when he plays point guard. And it has been surprising to me, Bubba, that that he didn't um, – I guess that he didn't get that opportunity in the first half of the season. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, a little surprised. I know you've been battling a, a hamstring injury. I'm sure that has definitely played a role. Um, but the last two minutes, I believe Jaden has played a combined, you know, 48 or 50 minutes. So um, good to see him back um, playing significant minutes and uh, not only playing significant minutes, uh going right along with that, um, just to, the way he's contributing on, on both ends of the court.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, what Mike Schwartz does with that situation. But I think that uh, I do think you're going to see Walker at the point for the remainder of the season.
1: Um, you know, before we touch on a couple other topics and and wrap up tonight's show, uh, you know, wanted to to thank our loyal new sponsor. Um and appreciate the support of former East Carolina offensive lineman Big Ed Watkins, uh, Ed Watkins Marine. Uh, Ed's uh, you know, been in the business for years, even while he was still uh, involved with NASCAR. Now he's strictly in the boat business. Again, um, Ed Watkins Marine, appreciate their support of the show. They have two locations to serve you uh, in Denver, North Carolina. Uh, They can be found on North Carolina Highway 16, 3333 North Carolina Highway 16 Business, rather. Uh, And uh, you can reach them via phone at that location, 704 483 Boat. Again, 704 483 Boat at their Denver store. Um, Their second location is in Cornelius. Um, They can be found. At uh, 18,919, West Catawba Avenue, Suite B, uh, reached in via phone, 704-498-4985. Again, 704-498-4985. You know, they have fishing boats, center consoles, family friend, bow riders, trailers, pontoon boats, engines, UTVs, you name it. Uh, Whether you're looking to buy a new boat or repower your existing boat, Ed Watkins Marine can uh, satisfy all of your boating needs. Again, edwatkinsmarine.com. We appreciate Big Ed's support of the program.
0: Bubba, I had an opportunity to, when when Big Ed was still in his NASCAR days, he was, I, I went out to uh, Pocono Raceway and uh, Big Ed was on one pit crew and, and Jeff Carr was with, I think, geez, I think he was with Martin Truex Jr., at that point, And I had an opportunity to, uh, and you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big NASCAR guy, but, um, got an opportunity to, to watch the race from the pits. I, w- I was right down on pit road and, um, had a chance to watch both of those guys up close and personal. It was pretty awesome to see, you know, when, when you're, you get a whole new perspective on racing, when you, when you watch it from the pits and, and, and those guys were, those guys were great. I mean, it was it was awesome to watch them run their crew. And, and, and just a little side note, Bubba, I did almost take a lug nut to the face. A lug nut flew off during a tire change and missed my head by about maybe eight inches. So uh, wouldn't have been as fun of a day if I got hit with that. But uh, it was pretty awesome to, to, to see. So appreciate Big Ed and his sponsorship.
1: Yeah, you about left pit road with... Uh- yeah, battle scar. Oh, I would have probably been in the hospital
0: uh, <laughs> from that because that thing came. That that thing, right. I mean, that it was. It, it flew off fast. So uh, yeah, interesting story. But it was pretty awesome to see, and I came away with a whole new appreciation for NASCAR.
1: Yeah, I definitely. Um, I would love to attend a NASCAR race sometime. As as you just stated, I'm not a NASCAR guy. Uh, whatsoever but um have not had the opportunity to uh, to attend a a race and i would like to do that just to see what it's all about and like you said is you know you you see something up close like that is it's definitely um you know makes you have an appreciation for how difficult it is Uh, and i know we a few years ago for professional development beginning the school year uh, my school visited Joe Gibbs Racing over in Mooresville, and uh, and that was an eye-opening experience there um, because they, you know, they showed it showed us what it was like as far as um, the hundreds of a second mattering, you know, with a pit stop and all the detail that's involved, and and how much how much those guys lift weights and and practice that to get it down to. You know that fraction of a second.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, all all those guys are in great shape, and uh, it really is a uh, y- you know it's a, it's a science. You know when you see it up close and personal, and you know um, j- just the process that they go through. So, not going to try to sound like an expert on NASCAR here because I'm not, but I'll just say I came w- I came away with a
1: much better uh, appreciation for it. Kind of getting back to basketball, um, something I realize we have not discussed on the show, and, um, you know, I guess it was about a week ago, not quite a week ago now, where, and give credit here to uh, Stephen Igo at Hoist of Colors, he broke the news uh, that uh, the Pirates picked up a commitment you know, from a 6'7 junior college wing uh, from in Indian River State College, and that is... Um, Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this name. I have not heard the pronunciation. Have been unable to find it thus far online. Um, but uh, J. Shane Woodard, uh, Jay Shane Woodard, uh, committed to Mike Schwartz and staff. He's averaging right around 15 points a game. Is a member, as you would guess, um, being a JUCO guy with the 2024 class. And also had offers, you know, from Arkansas State. Florida International, you know FIU, um, Manhattan, and Northern Illinois, Oakland, Robert Moore, Stony Brook, and Youngstown State, as well as interest from several high major programs. You know, he became the second member of the 2024 class. In addition to R.J. Felton's brother, Ladante, uh, who I believe is more commonly referred to as Booby Felton, uh, in the you also have um, Word of God point guard Jordan Vick, you know, who used to be at Southern Nash High School. He reclassified and is now a commitment for the 2025 cycle. But, uh, man, I know you're aware of the commitment, certainly, but uh, have you had the opportunity to check out the film of J. Shane Wooder?
0: I really haven't yet, Bubba. Um, but, you know, six foot seven you know, shoots, shoots a high percentage from, from the three point line. And, um, you know, you know, you can't have enough of those guys. So hopefully he pans out and has a great career.
1: I will tell you, uh, I, I did see probably three or four minutes worth of highlights and what I saw, a comparison here that pirate fans can relate to, you know, he's six, seven, Tristan Newton was about six, five, uh, reminds me in you know, the way he plays in the, his his shot, not the quickest of releases, and it's kind of more of a set shot, like a Tristan Newton. But he, he reminds me of a little bit taller Tristan Newton, uh, a guy that has versatility to to handle the basketball. No, he's not a point guard uh, like like Tristan is, but uh, he can he can definitely handle the basketball very well, and um, really like what I saw. Um, with his aggressiveness taking the ball to the basket and also as you mentioned shooting a very high percentage I believe around 40 percent from beyond the arc
0: sounds like a great pickup and you know in this in this age of kind of kind of almost like positionless basketball at times where you just have a bunch of guys who are six seven six eight that can handle the ball and shoot threes and take it to the hole I mean uh Sounds like a good pickup to me. I'm definitely going to check out the film. You know, maybe in the next day or two, and
1: you know, uh, see how it goes. And Johnny Gardner chiming in uh, regarding Woodard, saying the kid grew up beside Rucker Park, heart of basketball. Interesting. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. So, uh, as always, uh, you you can count on uh, Johnny Hoops to to provide some interesting tidbits on uh, when when we're talking pirate basketball or just college basketball in general and absolutely uh, what's up johnny but um but jay shane despite being at indian river state college down in florida um you know as johnny just referenced I mean he, he is a he's a new york native and uh looking forward to him becoming part of the pirates program um it said that he said that he also um, pulled down eleven point nine rebounds per game mm-hmm. and uh, three three and a half assists per game. So, very much like Tristan Newton, who I compared him to with his style of play, uh, he can stuff a stat sheet.
0: We'd love to see uh, Tristan Newton back in a pirate uniform, Bubba. He's uh, he's having a fantastic season for UConn. Um, I know at one point Jay Billis had him, this is, you know, a few weeks back, he had him as his national player of the year at one point. So he's, he's having a great, uh, great season up here and in, in, in UConn territory.
1: Yep. Uh, definitely. Uh, I remember us discussing that a few weeks back as far as the season that, that Tristan's having and, uh, Glad to glad to see him doing well, uh, because you know it was one of those things with the change in leadership. Had it not be had it not been for the change in leadership, who knows? But uh we had heard that uh, Tristan might have remained a pirate. But uh since the staff that had brought him to Greenville uh, was no longer leading the program, um it's understandable that he opted to to pursue uh, new opportunities, especially with some of those opportunities he had on the table. Uh, but, you know, really, uh, I, that's about all I have for to, for tonight. So do you have anything else, Matt, before we wrap this edition of Pirate Basketball Overtime up?
0: No, I think we covered it all, and uh, just hoping we get a win on Saturday.
1: And again, Pirates, lose a heartbreaker um, about as much of a heartbreaker as you can have 60 to 59 on wednesday night to the mean green of north texas uh, with that loss and the pirates fell to nine and nine overall uh, and two and three in the american so that means ecu has 13 remaining regular season games uh, as the pirates play 18 aac games and you uh, know hopefully. The Pirates will be able to to play better late in games and win more conference games than ever before, and find a way to have that elusive winning season, uh, you know, for the first time since 2012-2013. twelve twenty thirteen. We'll see what happens, buddy. But uh, you know, for Matt Semenza, I'm Bob Rosenbaum. We appreciate everyone tuning in tonight and chiming in on Facebook, YouTube, and X. Uh, That will do it for us on this edition of Pirate Basketball Overtime. And be sure to follow us on social media. On X, you can follow us at the Sports Obj on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our youtube channel and when you subscribe to our youtube channel be sure to click that bell and uh, you know click notifications and all so that way anytime we go live or upload new content you're alerted on your device and you know kind of you know, one other quick note um we uploaded a short today yannick smith you know the, the very talented pirate Football uh, wide receiver that's headed to ECU from Somerville, South Carolina, down there on the South Carolina coast. Um, he's also a tremendous basketball player, uh, one of the top in the Palmetto State. And uh, check out the dunk he had in a game on Wednesday night. I believe it was uh, very impressive, a highlight reel dunk by Yannick Smith. And it's easy to see, you know, you know how you know he's such a good. Wide receiver, uh, you know, with such leaping ability. And uh, be interesting to see in the future, you know, whether, you know, he's someone that the Pirates uh, throw a lot of fade balls and uh, jump balls to uh, down in the red zone. But um, again, you've been watching Pirate Basketball Overtime here on the Sports Objective. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Pirates.